0: You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Pro MX and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. Right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist and this is episode 34 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, the physiotherapist from Australia, Newcastle to be specific, and we'll be looking forward to the round of Australian Supercross in Newcastle coming up here in a couple of weeks because we won't have to travel. Yay! Welcome to the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on this show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week we'll be talking WSX from Melbourne. I was there in person in the flesh. Yes, I made it somehow, some way. We'll also be going to the Emergency Department for the World Supercross Injuries and the Oz Supercross Injuries that have started from the first two rounds, the the Aussies that happened in Melbourne uh, before the World Round, and then again last weekend in Adelaide. We'll also have Dave's Diatribe. I've got a good one this week. You better stick around and listen to this. And we've got a new segment this week that we're going to call Industry Whispers. It won't happen every show. We're going to mix it in and out with a different new segment that we'll have coming maybe next time uh, that will be medical jargon explained. But this week it's going to be Industry Whispers, so stick around for that one as well. And we've got an interview to finish off the show from Aussie SX racer Connor Tierney. We had a chat with him about his injury that happened in the uh, very uh, second, the first qualifying session, second time on the track for the Oz Supercross round in Melbourne. He didn't get very far. So, we've got a chat with him about his injury, see how he's coping. So, another big show coming your way. But now we have an affiliate deal in place to partly bring you this show for the time being. We've got Slant Board Guy um, has offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you wanna get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple equipment piece is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and check the link in the perch- to, uh, to purchase from in our show notes or in our bio on Instagram. Now, this is a very simple piece of equipment that you will use in the gym to change your standing position whilst you're doing your squats, your lunges and whatever else you can come up with on the board to improve your ability to do a deep squat. So check it out, guys. We're going to have an Always Moto inspection on it soon, but we are getting a kickback from any purchases from Slantboard Guy via the link or using the Always Moto code. So please use Always Moto lowercase at the checkout or use the link that's available in the show notes uh, to help support us and support Slantboard Guy. But as always, the rest of the support, we still need you to keep helping us to keep the lights on here at the Always Moto podcast we still have our merch available to help the show. We have Always Moto t-shirts available now. They're $25 plus postage and handling, and that's in Australian dollars. We also now have an international dropship set up so we can get some of our US-based listeners some t-shirts as well at a cheaper posting rate. So get in touch with us about that. If you're a US-based listener, please give us an email at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com to get your t-shirt ordered via our dropship set up and that way we can get some of those over to you guys in the states for much cheaper than we had been able to do so far so support the shows rock the t-shirt at your next race that you're going to and get us uh, out and about and visible in the moto scene we also have another option now we want you to support the show directly if you can send any donations to the always moto paypal account Drop a message or a question in the notes and we'll read it out live on the show. So send that. just search Always Moto in your PayPal. We'll pop up with our logo there. Send us any amount possible. That'd be fantastically appreciated. And like I said, drop a question or some sort of message and we'll read it out live on the next show um, to get you out there. So thank you. We appreciate your support on that. So let's jump into the show now. We've got WSX Talk in Melbourne I've got to tell you that was a fantastic event for me. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get there. I ended up taking a last-minute flight on Saturday morning. Um, pretty much on Thursday night, I said, "Screw it, I'm going." Um, backing the idea that my doctor the next on Friday morning was going to clear me to allow to fly based on my um, my injuries myself from my blood clot that I had in the lungs. It's been cleared from a scan earlier that week, so I took the punch. She was going to let me let me fly. She did. So I booked the flight Thursday night, I got cleared Friday morning, Saturday morning we went and flew out, so we missed the Friday night uh, for the Aussie round, but that was okay, we managed to catch up with a few of those guys on the Saturday, so we we got to pick up our media credentials Saturday morning, we pretty much spent all day floating around in the pits, talking to the different mechanics, the riders, the team managers, and anyone in between. We were able to catch up with some old friends that we've seen hadn't seen for a while uh, that were still working the events. Uh, we met some of the industry media that we hadn't previously met in person before. Um, got to say, um, Anton from Swap Moto stopped me and said hi. That was pretty cool. Didn't get to chat to him too much, but he he recognised the logo and and came and said hi. That was fantastic. Appreciate that, Anton. Hopefully, we can catch you again soon. Uh, but yeah, we had a really good day. And look, it was awesome to chat with some of these people in the paddock. We managed to meet Mike Jones who was Cole Sealy's mechanic for the motor concepts team there. We got talking to him about some 125s and he's got a trick YZ 125 that he had back home and I was comparing notes with him about my RM125 build that you, you listeners probably have seen me use for some of my test shots when we're doing inspections. So we had a good chat with him, um, talked about Cole's setup and Cole's bike and, and uh, just a really nice guy down to earth. Uh, really really easy to chat to we also got to meet Courtney Lloyd in person who's the team manager of a club MX and look really big thank you to Courtney uh, she took me in gave me some food and drink uh, and was open to chatting to us basically all the time uh, throughout the day we sat with her at different times in the industry section watching the watching the guys do their track time uh, it was really cool just to meet her and the team and and also spends a bit more time with Grant Harlan who we interviewed on one of the previous shows as well so that was really cool Got to meet some of the HEP um, or the PMG, they're basically the same thing, the Pipes Motorsport Groups team. Uh, they're the Suzuki guys. We managed to meet Derek Kelly, who was very, very much a smart dude. I, I knew of his brand, True Fusion. Uh, it's a bit of a, a, a medicinal, it's not really medicinal, but that sort of health uh, health product line where he's got some creams or lotions for muscles and, and different supplement side of things. And he... he Talk me through a few things and he knows what he's talking about and he's very good at it and he's mixing this stuff up himself at home as a way to supplement his his income. Uh, so he needs some support and we're hopefully going to get him on a show in a few weeks' time to talk about what he's up to pre-season and, and what True Fusion is all about. But he was really cool. We got to spend some time with him. watching. I sat with him and his parents watching the, uh, the 450 main event and watched that go through and they're really cool people. It was their first time in Australia, so it was pretty interesting to talk to them about their experiences as well. But While we're in that pit there with the PMG Suzuki guys, we managed to meet uh, Alex Ray, who's quite a funny character. Uh, didn't take long for him to realize uh, who I was and what I was doing, and obviously the injury updates, and next thing you know, we're flicking through his phone, checking out all of his wrist x-rays, and he's telling me about what's going on, and i got to say there's not many bones left in his wrist. He's had a few removed now and had some stabilization proce- process work done. And And look, in my opinion, from where he was at with that recovery process, he was already at tr- on track racing Supercross and he only had only been released a few days earlier. Literally, I literally think it was a week, not even. I think it was a bit early for him to be doing that. But anyway, he was doing it and he did all right, apart from the fact he got a concussion off a start line in the mains later on in the night. But he was a very interesting dude and, and – uh, Found it quite funny. I came into the pits after the, the main events to find him to, or to find some information on him because I thought he'd be, you know, out of hospital or something along those lines. And there he is in in street clothes yelling out, hey, the injury dude, I got an update for you. And so we had a chat about how his concussion was and how, how he was feeling and, and he's a really nice guy. Uh, it was pretty cool to meet Alex Ray having listened to a fair bit of his stuff on the other US media-based Outlets. It was uh, awesome to see him in person and actually uh, get to chat to him. We also caught up with Jamie, the MDK team manager. Um, super chill guy, but it was pretty interesting considering how chill he was with the injury list that he had for his MDK team. Funny story with him, but that he was already. We sort of discussed about what he would be doing next year in terms of fill-ins because the for them to fill in the two two riders for this Australian round, it was pretty easy because obviously they'll come into Australia, the Supercross rounds were already going on, and they could just pick from from the Aust- Aussie guys. But what happens when they go to some place like Saudi Arabia or Indonesia or something crazy next year, and they don't have somebody based there in in the field straight away that they could just pick from and put on their bike? And he actually came up with the idea that he thinks he's going to have sort of, <laughs> he said 10 to 15, but I think that's probably a bit of a stretch. He's probably going to have more like five dudes to begin with at least uh, stationed around the world so he said australia france and u.s that would be able to go over to the u.s at some point get a base setting on their one of their bikes and be basically on a on a like a holding contract so that they would be available for them to call into the ranks if they needed to have a fill-in rider um, at some point during the year so they would basically be able to have them onto a bike have a base setting and get them, you know, have them reasonably comfortable straight away and just fill in for one race if that's needed, because there is that fine uh, system in place with the world supercross events that would keep means they have to have riders on track. So, and we found out we think that fine amount is in the range of 50 K. So it's a reasonable amount to make sure make these guys get somebody in place. And so the, to have a couple of guys around the world on a bit of a holding contract would not be a silly idea and something that I would see many teams doing next year with the expanded rounds uh, and and just being able to make sure they can fulfill their contract arrangements for riders on track. So be interesting to see what that happens with. Jamie was pretty open with us about all that sort of stuff and showing us through and meeting some of the other guys on the team, which was cool. So I appreciate that, Jamie. It was awesome. Didn't get to – one person I wanted to talk to, but I sort of shied away from it at one point. Didn't get to chat to Phil Nicoletti at the Club MX there. Um, At one point, he wasn't there when I first was meeting Courtney and Grant Harlan, but at one point I came back after one of the uh, qualifying sessions for the 250 class knowing that he'd be there, and he pulled into the pits – and basically took the helmet off, threw it down on the on the table, walked into the back section where he couldn't be seen and all you could hear was a few profanities going. So I thought that's the usual Phil that I've heard about but I'm not going to get involved with that one right now so I'll leave it be. I'll catch him on the next time around. But it was pretty interesting to see that Phil hey, is Phil no matter what and who and where. So that was pretty cool to see um, and be a part of it. and obviously I got to talk to some of the other team about the situation and it was just you know a bit heated from a few things that happened in qualifying which is from what i understand a normal thing for phil so anyway that was pretty cool we got to do a bit of a tour of the race safe truck that is the medical truck that goes to all the australian pro national rounds and it's there for the aussie supercross rounds as well And we got to meet um a couple of they're all volunteers except for the owner um Simon and and so they're all different types of sorts of qualifications. There's obviously John, the physio, who call, who volunteers at most of the rounds, um, and he just does the physio side of things, so taping or massage, as such between between rounds um, or between you know s- sessions on track as needed. But then there's also the high level guys, um, and there's some, there was an emergency nurse that talked me took me through the truck and explained you know that they're all volunteers they fly in they've got their their travel and whatnot covered but they're volunteering their time to be there for the event to to do this medical procedures for that uh, that pop up along the way and it was awesome to see they have two full bays in this truck that can do basically administer iv pain relief and you know um some other bits and pieces along the way um some minor procedures stitching or such but it was cool to have that little access point for for that truck. And it's awesome that we have that level of medical care on site for our rounds. Um, And, and just, yeah, awesome to have them there, but really just a nice understanding to see what's available in that truck. And, and hopefully at times in maybe into the next year, we might be able to have a bit more of an in-depth look than do another, just a podcast around just that itself. So we'll see how that all goes, but yeah, it was interesting to get, to get some time in there, you know, and understand that they can do a lot of stuff before they even have to hand over to an ambulance while the ambulance is, you know, attending to the venue or, or, or you know, something along those lines. So that was cool. One other thing that was pretty interesting on the night, um, I got to meet Carlos from GoPro Australia. Uh, and he was there and it was funny, the GoPros were back on helmets and I was a bit shocked and, and he was the way of fitting them and I asked him what the go was and, he said, yep, they've all been allowed for this World Supercross round and Kenny and Dino were running them. They had to sign some release paperwork to do that, but they will back on top of the helmets, which was interesting to, to note. It's been something that had been banned in Australia and um, cut out in US rounds as well. So interesting to see that they will back on top of the helmets and, like, I mean, on top, on, on that spot that usually has, not tucked under the, under the visor as such. One was, I think that was Dino's, but uh, Kenny's was definitely straight on top of, the, top of the helmet. So interesting to see those back. And, but they've got a – GoPro's got a new version coming out. Uh, it's a Mini 11 or something, I think it was. And they'll be out soon, so it'll be cool to see how they go. But it was interesting to meet Carlos and see that the GoPros are back on helmets again. So the event was awesome. Look, generally speaking, it was, it was well-organized, well-run, um, pretty good theatrics with the fireworks and all that sort of business. From the racing side of things, I still feel that those main events are just too short and too hectic uh, with that three-race format. I think I'd rather see something like a two-race format where there's like a 10-minute or so main event for each one um, to try and just give the riders a bit more chance to mellow out. It seemed like there was just so much carnage in, in those shorter races, especially the, the 250 class, because guys were just trying to get to the front knowing that they didn't have much time, and it sort of ruined the races Um, for each race, basically, for Cole Seely and Kyle Chisholm, they just kept getting taken out by guys that were rushing it in the first and second corners. And that's not something that those two guys are used to because they're used to longer events. They would just settle into the race and sort of work their way forward. But that didn't happen because of this hectic schedule. So I think there needs to be something that will need to change. I don't think they'd be able to run that three-moto format across eight or nine rounds that they might be trying to do next year. So they might have to have multiple formats, and it'd be interesting to see what those end up being. So, but I think there'll be some change to that, you know, for next year. But they definitely gave them more time between the races. I was timing it, and they sort of had definitely five minutes, and then the, before the super final, it was out to sort of eight minutes. So, it's a they they made some changes from Cardiff even to Melbourne. So that was good to see that they were trying to improve it that quickly. But yeah, just it was a very busy schedule um, with that main event format there, and just. Not enough time, especially even just sitting in the stands. It just was was busy, um, but yeah. And the last thing that I'll touch on now, I managed to get, and everyone's probably seen all this stuff already, but the the Brayton Freeze incident in the pits afterwards. I was lucky enough. I was talking to Brayton's mechanic, um, Sean Lukowski, earlier in the night um, after that uh, finished main of ev- after the third main event when Justin was still Justin and Freeze were in the main press conference still something that I just sort of didn't, didn't get to. I was more interested in talking to a few of the other guys um, that weren't, weren't on the podium as such. So I was standing in the pits already. So I was talking to Sean there and uh, managed to get a, you know one of Justin's side panels off his, uh, off his Honda there, which was pretty cool. And I said to Sean, look, I'll come back in a little bit when, uh, when Justin's back. I'd love him to sign it so I can pop it up in the studio, which I've done, um, and, and just get him, you know, sign it and then try and get an interview with him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, man, come back, come back. You know, he'll be here shortly sort of thing. So about 20 minutes or so later, I came back and spotted that Justin just turned up. So I went in and said, hey, Justin, you know, David from Always Moto. Man, Sean gave me your shroud. I'd love you to get a signature for it for the for the studio. But if you got a chance, I'd love to do an interview. And I hadn't realized at that point that there was an incident between Freeze and Brayton that was going to blow up right there and then. And he said, yeah, man, I'll do the interview. And I'm like, he looked in his face and he's like, he looked angry. And I'm like, you're good, man? He's like, yep. I'll just talk in the interview. It's all good. All right, sweet. So you know, did the intro started, and as you would have heard, I've got that posted up there in our in our in our podcast feed. The the interviews post race, he got pretty heated about the situation with Freeze trying to pay Grant Harlan to to take him out, and then Freeze ended up taking him out anyway, and he just wasn't he was a bit dirty on the fact that that was what was done, and then I managed to you know close out that interview, kept Justin on track, and. Seemed to have a professional, but you know, obviously heated interview, which was fine. It was good. I didn't want him to obviously go off the off the off the reservation and lose it, but um, kept him on track. And then I sort of just decided that this is going to get weird in a second. So I hung around the the motor Concepts pit, and I was talking to uh, Mitchell Oldenburg. I talked to Cole Sealy, and just I was hanging around just to see what was going on. And then Freeze and Brayton um turned like freeze turned up and then it just sort of went boom Uh, freeze and his girlfriend were having a go at um justin and his mechanic sean about the whole scenario and and it sort of got to a point they were just arguing and arguing and and sort of sort of felt like there might have been been a punch thrown at one point it didn't happen but that's sort of where it sort of felt like it was escalating to but then i think justin was the bigger man at that point said, look man just just go away you don't need to be here it's done forget about it walk away and, and Freeze sort of took two or three steps away and then came back at him and then, you know, Justin said, look, man, just, just leave. And the same sort of thing happened. It happened about three or four times. You tell him to leave, Freeze would take three or four steps, his girlfriend would get three or four more steps away and tell him to hurry up, and then Freeze would just turn around and go again. And funnily enough, the World Supercross crew, I gather, had brought down trays of beer for each team, basically. They just sat them on these pit setups. So the front of the pit setup was a half wall, had a nice big front shelf sitting on it, so they just lined up beers on it so that the team could have have a few beers at the end to celebrate the, the pilot series being complete. Well, there's all these... There would have been 10 or more beers just sitting on this thing, on this front wall, right near the team's truck where, where Freezy and, and Brayton were arguing. And next thing you know, Freezy just picks one up and just chucks it at Brayton. And I'm like, whoa, that was out of... That was out of out of, um, out of of line. And And Brayton, to his credit... And Sean, um, his mechanic to his their credit as well, didn't do anything. They just told him to leave and just they walked away themselves and that was the end of it. But it was just a very interesting situation, you know, They were ye- and, and freeze's girlfriend was yelling that they were ringing Tony and Tony Alessi was going to come down and chat to them all. And, and he turned up later on and just basically instructed everybody to pack up the, the pits and get out of there. Um, there was not too much else said after that point, but – I felt sorry for for Mike, um, Cole's mechanic and, and Mitchell Oldenburg because they sort of were trying to help pack up Cole's bike into the crates that they had for this World Supercross Series as this was going on. And they both sort of just crept out of the pit and came around to the front of the pit and over to one side and sort of just put their head down on the... Uh, on the front uh, wall there of the pit area and just sort of were standing next to me and I'm like, you guys are right? And they're like, oh, it's just a, just a bit embarrassing, really. I was like, yeah, pretty much I would be in that same situation and they just wanted to get out of there, obviously too. They didn't want to be involved in it if they could help. So, weird situation there to finish the night for the Moto Concepts guys. Um, could have been a world championship, ended up just with a beer on, the, on, on, Brayton's, um, on Brayton's shirt at the end of the night from Freeze. So, look, not, not how you should go racing, but interesting situation all the same to be standing there watching you know in in the world supercross um, pit area so yeah that's how that's how it goes down sometimes but look overall the event was awesome i'll, I'll happily go back next year um, especially now that i know how to get in and out of that stadium which we will hear about a bit more later on um, and i just look forward to seeing more of these races um, you know eight to ten of them in 2023 for world supercross because i think It will be a good thing, and all the riders that were there seemed to enjoy themselves and wanted to be back, so why not do more? All right, let's take a break on the Always Moto podcast, and we'll be back with the emergency department.
1: Hey, guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto podcast.
0: All right, guys and girls, we're back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around on that short break there. Now, let's jump into the emergency department. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. That's right, you do not want to be on this list at all. Uh, But unfortunately, most of you end up on it at some point, which sucks. But anyway, that's how moto goes, right? Hashtag injuries are a part of moto and hashtag injured moto life. All right, let's jump into the World Supercross injuries from round two. And unfortunately, there was a few of them. Um, so let's go straight into the list pipes motorsport group as we mentioned earlier alex ray managed to get a concussion on the start when he collided with his teammate freddie noran on one of the mains uh, he was okay after the event and he'll be fine he spoke to us like i said earlier in the pits afterwards he'll be fine he'll be back training already freddie noran also missed out on the super final they had another crash early uh, bruised up a shoulder he was just precautionary i think he had enough of crashing that night so He pulled off early as well, but he'll be fine. He'll be back training as well. Luke Clout for that CDR Yamaha team. Unfortunately, he didn't even get to race the second round in Melbourne. He broke his thumb the night before in the Australian Supercross round and didn't end up getting to race the World Supercross round. He was there. He rode on for um, opening ceremonies, but that was it. He's been operated on already. I would expect that he's out for the series, but in talking to... Uh, Luke's parents and Luke and Aaron, his mechanic, um, all, the, all the clout family there. Uh, I've got a funny feeling that Luke's going to try and rush this back after he's had that surgery to stabilize it, which would probably not be advisable but would possibly be possible. Um, you know, a small fracture, like the small bones when they're fractured, they take around that four to six weeks mark. He's had that operated on. He will be exactly four weeks to the next round in Newcastle from that point. Uh, so it will be touch and go. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he's not, put it that way. So we'll have to see what Luke does. But I, he, you know, ideally, he'd be out for the season and just recovering, trying to get ready for whatever he's got next in 2023. MDK Motorsports, got to say what a shit show for injuries in this World Supercross um, Pilot Series for them. We all know that Chad and Josh Grant, Chad Reed and Josh Grant had issues at round one. Well, at round two, they lost Derek Drake to a broken wrist in qualifying. They had organised a fill in for Josh and Grant, um, Josh Grant, Josh Grant and Chad Reed. Um, So they had Joel Whiteman and Jackson Richardson. Unfortunately for Joel, he managed to break his wrist and his ankle in qualifying for the World Supercross round and didn't end up getting to race for the team. And then um, Jackson Richardson ended up being the last man standing for the team because in the uh, SX2 class, Justin Bogle went down and disappeared. on without you know a trace as such. When I got back to the pits for for their setup, uh, their team was already packed up and gone. So I had no information from the team or from, on Justin, uh, and I haven't been able to get an update on them from them since. So yeah, Justin was out as well. So basically, like I said, Jackson Richardson, who was a fill-in, ended up being the last man standing in the in the round two there for them. The other teams seemed to escape okay. Um, the wild card that didn't end up being a wild card was Brett Metcalf. He was meant to be there for the wild card ride in Melbourne, but unfortunately, on in a heat race in the on the Friday night for the Australian Supercross round, managed to break his collarbone, so he was out. And then it ended up being Hayden Melrose filling in as the wild card. So that was an interesting scenario there. But that's the updates from World Supercross. All of those guys will obviously, in terms of World Supercross rounds next year, they would be fit and healthy by whenever that series kicks off. Uh, But we don't even know who's going to be on teams and whatnot for next year at all this stage. So no predictions on when they're returning, if they're returning, all that sort of stuff like we would do at other times. But that's our World Supercross list for the emergency department. Let's jump into the Australian Supercross rounds now. We've had two already. We had the round one at Melbourne on the Friday night before the World Supercross round. We've also then the week later had round two at Adelaide, which was only a couple of days ago. And there's been a couple of injuries in both of those rounds. Uh, we had some unfortunate ones early on. We had Connor Tierney, who you'll hear from later. He's dislocated a hip. We had Bailey Malkowitz, He dislocated an ankle that also had a couple of fractures in that ankle region. And he's waiting on what he can do next, which will possibly be surgery. Haruki Yokoyama, who rides for that Empire Kawasaki team, he managed to dislocate his shoulder at round one but he was able to race round two in Adelaide, so he must be okay. He's probably done this a few times before by the sound of it uh, and was able to just get things back in and and deal with it for for round two. Obviously, Brett Metcalf, like we mentioned, collarbone at round one, uh, missed out on the World Supercross round. Uh, He's had surgery already, so he is also a tiny chance to be back for the Newcastle round. But... It's a tiny chance. Again, it's a four-week turnaround. It's possible. He's had it plated. Will he risk it? Don't know. He's an older guy. Does he need to? Probably not. Does he want to? Maybe. We'll have to see what happens with Brett Metcalf if he does turn up for round three of this Aussie Supercross series in Newcastle or not, but we'll wait and see. At round two, we had a couple more injuries. Uh, Jai Roberts has a right forearm fracture that required surgery. It looked like he did two mid-shaft fractures to the radius and ulna. Uh, So he's out for the season and Thomas Ravenhorst uh, did a big one. He's done seven rib fractures, multiple transverse process fractures of his vertebrae fractured a collarbone and also had some bleeding on his lungs, which I'm not surprised about with those rib fractures with that many rib fractures. One of them was bound to poke into his rib and cause a bit of a cut to that. And then obviously the bleeding, but also he might've just he's impacted his chest heavily to get those seven rib fractures. Likely he's just done a big bruise to that lung. This then caused some bleeding inside. So not surprised that there's, you know, the lung got involved there as well. Lucky to not have a punctured lung um, or worse. So hopefully Thomas will be able to be get back on the men, but that will be his season for Oz Supercross done. He won't be able to recover from those multiple injuries in time. Rib fractures are notorious for being painful all the way until the last minute when they finally united back together. So he will be out for a little while. He won't be able to get through that one. So that's our list for the Oz Supercross as well. A few injuries already taking guys out, and we don't have heaps of people in this Oz Supercross series. It's the first time back in a couple of years. Uh, so not many people already on the gates. Um, we're losing people already. Hopefully we can have enough guys to make it through and not too many more injuries for round three and round four. Uh, but we'll have to see how it all goes. And that's that's the emergency department. So let's take a quick break again and we'll be back with Dave's Diatribe. I'm Brighton Carroll, riding for Team TCD, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we're back again. We're still going. The show's still rocking along. Thanks for listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Let's jump into Dave's Diatribe. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You, might be next. you could be next. This is a one in. <laughs> this is not a one-time deal. You could get multiple attacks. We'll have to wait and see. But this one's a good one for for you guys and girls at home that might not be aware of these things when you're at a stadium. So we're obviously we're at Marvel Stadium for that Melbourne round of World Supercross. Had to get into the venue super early to meet. Um, you know get in there as a media pass um, and talk to some of the guys and girls before the event started, which was okay, managed to sort that out. Obviously, we're going to hang around a lot later um, for post-race interviews, just get more gossip to see what's going on and check out all the injuries that have happened. So we're going to be in that stadium much later than the crowd, and obviously the crowd is able to go out through the normal exits out of the stadium, Um, for all the crowd entries and that side of things. But when you're in the pit area, which is in the car park of this Marvel Stadium, everything gets locked at a certain time for the normal exits. And so I walked into this venue because I had a hotel just across the road um, next to Southern Cross Station, which was awesome. But to get out of the venue, I think I left the venue or tried to leave the venue at about midnight. So it was about, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours after the event finished. Uh, so obviously everything was locked, right? So I try to get out of the stadium. I go out to where I came to came into it. I go up to this up this staircase, out to the level where I'm supposed to walk out. Fucking doors locked. Great. Can't get it open. No intercoms. Nothing. All right. So I go back down, go back through the car park a bit towards where the pits are. Spot a security guard. I go, mate. How the frick do I get out of this place on foot? And he goes, Oh, you got to The only way out at the moment is you got to walk out this driveway. I'm like, All right, sweet. So I go to go walk down that driveway, which is obviously where all the the team trucks and stuff are driving out. Yeah, it goes straight out onto like a highway. There's no footpath. There's no, you know, nothing for pedestrians. It's a shit show in the middle of the night in Melbourne. And I'm like, that seems dangerous. I don't think I want to walk out there. So I walk back in, talk to the guard. He goes, oh, mate, uh, yeah, there's nobody else here. You know, this is the only way out. You're going to have to do it. I'm like, are you fucking serious? This is oh, I've just had an awesome night in WSX. I'm tired as shit at this point. And you're going to make me walk out onto a bloody highway and, and cross something that I don't think I can cross because there's a railway line on the other side. So it's not like I can just cross the road and then find another footpath. I'm literally, there's a fence, you know, for the railway line on one side and there's a stadium on the other side with no footpath. So I'm, luckily I spotted that there's a, a decently wide median strip. So I just crossed into the middle of the road, which is even better. I'm in the middle of the road now, walking down this median strip it's all fucking grass, mind you. So I was muddy as hell because it has been raining in Melbourne most of the time we are there. So I'm walking through all this mud, managed to get to, a, to an intersection, cut across, finally managed to walk back all the way to where I started from to get up onto the, the overhead platform that went across the, the train line and over this highway that I was walking along. But, man... You guys have got to have a better exit strategy for all the people that have walked, the media that have walked in there, that are stuck in there till later. Well, not stuck in there, but we're in there till later with the riders trying to get content. Help us get out of the damn venue, people. It was <laughs> rather dangerous, to be honest. Anyway, I'm done now. That we, we survived it. That's Dave's diatribe for this week. <laughs> that was a good one. Like I said, it was. I'm a bit pissed about that, but anyway, we we'll have to. We know for next time, I've got to make a better exit strategy. all right we've got a new segment this week that we're going to talk about and it's an industry sneak peek or whispers we're going to call it industry whispers let's see if I hit the right button here this is industry whispers wait should I have told you that (laughs) <laughs> keep this one on the download guys and girls this is some information that you might not know about at all and they might not want you to know it either so we were in the pits at world supercross i was getting set up early in the morning um you know it was about 10 o'clock i think it was that i rocked in there i was sitting down the end they had you know, surprised at a motocross event but they had a private um cafe sort of thing set up for the pit crew um there so i was sitting there at some of the tables just grabbing out my gear so that i could you know take photos do some interviews, whatnot. And I look over, and I'm like, "Hey, I know that bloke. It's the Stark guys from from Barcelona that I went over and did the Stark introduction with. It's um, Seb Tortelli, and it's um, Ben, the meat marketing guy. And I'm like, "Hey, I know what they're doing here." So, I managed to talk to them later on in the day. Yep, they were over having some chats with the World Supercross guys. No, no specifics on what they were trying to do, and they're still not going to be out and about in a in a racing sense in 2023. But I got the feeling that they had something in the works for 2024. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with the Stark guys and World Supercross if they're trying to get some sort of, you know, rule amendment to allow them to compete in the in the World Supercross class or, or what they're trying to do. Um, but, yeah, they were definitely there in the pits at World Supercross having a meeting with the World Supercross guys and girls to see about, you know, potentially how they might be able to work together in the future. So it would be interesting to see what that comes about. But yeah, like I said, this is an industry whisper, so keep that one on the down low. All right, guys and girls, let's jump into the interview now we've got with Connor Tierney. Uh, he's had a bad crash and dislocated a hit, which is quite painful. Um, but let's have a listen to what he has to say now. All right, now on the Always Moto podcast, we've got a guest joining us who was competing at the Australian Supercross Round 1 at Marvel Stadium. He was on the WBR Yamaha number 7 in the lights class. It's Connor Tierney.
1: How are we doing, Connor? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, Thanks for the call.
0: No, no worries. And look, I'll make an apology at the beginning for repeating this. Um, but we did try and do this yesterday, and I had a software issue. So hopefully, we can uh, get through this one today and actually get recorded information to put into the podcast. So yeah, appreciate you doing it again, man.
1: Just a practice run should be sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're all good now. We got the kinks out. Hopefully, so. <laughs> so how was um how was the how was the event for you at at Round one there for the Aussie round. Um, obviously, we're talking to you about a, an injury at this point, so not fantastic, but how was the event to begin with?
1: Yeah. Um, Melbourne's always a, an awesome event, I guess one that we looked forward to all year. A bit of a different a bit different vibe having it as a first round this year instead of a, a kind of the last round to finish off the season. So um, that was different, um, but the same. Excited. You Nerves know, were rolling. Vibes were there. Everyone was, everyone's always having a good time at Supercross. Yeah. Yeah, just I guess getting out in front of that crowd, which unfortunately I didn't, I didn't actually get to do because I didn't make the night mm-hmm. show. But you know, that's always something that we really look forward to, and it's an experience we don't get with the with the rest of the circuit for the for the motocross, and I guess the last three years either. So um, yeah, I was really really looking forward to it.
0: Actually, that's something. Have you actually done like a the supercross before? You have, haven't you? Like because it's been a couple of years since the since we got an Aussie supercross round.
1: Yeah, yeah. My last year was 2015. Um, oh actually nice. Had pretty- yep pretty good i mean sorry 2019 i had a pretty good year that year um i think i finished fifth the oh, yeah, fifth overall um in the series and actually got a a race win at wollongong so yeah i had a really good year so i was looking forward to um getting back behind the gates
0: yeah nice yeah well i was i was just wondering i was just thinking that through my head then yeah like you're only only fairly new to all this still like it's um you know, it's been a couple of years with COVID. We haven't had a series. It must be nice to actually be in the stadium. And, and look, this is probably the biggest one for us in Australia. And, obviously, with a roof and stuff, too, it makes it a bit of a different vibe. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, talk us through what happened. Obviously, you said you didn't make it to the night program as such. When did the crash happen for you?
1: Yeah, so we went out. We had our eight-minute practice. Um, obviously, pretty pretty short practice and stuff to to get a hold of the track. Um the tight programme. So you yeah, had a eight minute practice. I was feeling not too bad. Um a little bit tight, but was ready to go and then qualifying session was a little bit after that. I got a I got a sight lap, a he- one heater and like kinda of like a medium pace lap. And then I was just about to go into my third heat lap for qualifying and, and yeah, just had a, a bit of a mishap on the dragons back and stepped over the bars. Um I yeah, lost traction. Off, off the last, we were going like it was like a three, three bump dragons back, and we were going uh, two and then one over the big line, mm-hmm. and and I think I just tagged a little bit and, and just and just didn't quite get the lift and front wheeled the down ramp and uh, the bike just followed me over, and I think I think when I went over the bars, the bike's just uh, crunched me and and just pulled my hip out um, from from what I'm gathering, I guess.
0: Now, did you, did you catch, like, your foot on the bar as you tried to go over the front? Like, I gather you tried to step through here at this point.
1: No, I, I think I was pretty, like, on the bike. Like, my, my hips were, like, at the radiators. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to step over it at all, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> it might not have helped anyway. You might have got your feet done or something then, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So, you, you've hit the deck. Yeah. Um, at what point did you start figuring out there was something wrong, and and what did you think was wrong initially?
1: Yeah, straight away. I, I looked, I was kind of the way I landed, I was pretty dazed, but I landed uh, almost like crouched over. So I had both knees, one leg behind my, my leg, my hip that was happened to be uh, dislocated um, in front of me, and, and I was looking down at that kind of in like a crouched over position. Um, I initially thought it was a broken femur, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty scary. Um, I've never had a broken femur before. So, uh, looking down at my hip and it was, I guess it was on an, it was building like a 45, like towards my groin. Um, and yeah, definitely didn't feel right. So I, I had the hand in the air calling for the, for the race safe crew, pretty, pretty fast. <laughs>
0: They get there pretty quick, don't they, those guys? They're pretty well skilled and, and able to, to to look after you guys really well. They've got a nice setup there in in the truck and so what did they um what was their first thoughts when they got to you and what, what was their, their you know action plan to try and make this better for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right though. They are so they were there so fast. Like it was probably only 30, 45 seconds they were straight over there. Like we are so lucky to have that. That whole crew in the industry is very lucky to have them there. So um shout out to those guys. But yeah, we are... I thought it was a broken femur, so I'm going broken femur, broken femur. Yep. Um, after begging for the green stick before they before they moved me, a um, bit of a funny story there, I guess. <laughs> I was uh, like we were talking about yesterday. I was in the the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life, uh, yep. hands down. Um, So uh, yeah, I was kind of got the green stick, and then they went to move me, and I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, like no good. Um, and then I, remember, I just remember this is kind of one of the last things I remember before kind of going to a bit of a a, uh, I don't know what the word is, a bit of a, a trance. A
0: drug high or something there from the stick.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember just looking at the one of the guys from Race safe and just going, like, can you OD on this? Like, am I going to die?" <laughs> and he said no. So I just put the finger over the breather hole and just remember taking the deepest breaths of, that, I could, that I could possibly take, trying to just kind of drown that pain out. Um, and then, yeah, they, they chucked me on the stretcher. Um, and then I, like, with, yeah, I guess the protocol would, with a femur is to kind of splint it pretty fast um you might have some more some more fit on that
0: yeah we, we, with the with any broken bone obviously you want to try and stabilize it and and for a femur obviously massive bone it's it's pretty important you've got your femoral arteries in there that can can be you know severed and you know lead to a you know real big issue um and so obviously they're just going to try and strap the leg to the other leg as a stabilizing point but I gather for you that wasn't a comfortable scenario, based on the fact that it wasn't a broken
1: femur in the end. No, I'm sure you could imagine the, uh, the feeling of it, of it being dislocated over, I guess, like in your groin to, to button it, and then the and then trying to straighten that out and pulling on that thing it was it was a horrible feeling. Um, definitely had me squealing. Um, so yeah, we ended up ended up they just left it, kind of back, tried to put it back in a comfortable position for me. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it was pretty much a, I don't really remember much from there.
0: So the green uh, whistle, did it do much at that point for that pain? I, I gather not.
1: Nothing, nothing at all. I've, uh, I've had a, I've had a probably, I've had a good handful of green whistles before, um, and they've always done the trick, but this time I just felt like it. they did nothing at all. Like it was, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. I, I have a little experience with that. Cause I, I, I actually broke a hip a while, a couple of weeks back and, um, I ended up having three of them in in a row because I was out in the middle of nowhere at the Hadar Desert Race. So I had three of them and I kept yelling at them that they're, they're not working, they're not doing nothing. And they're like, oh, they're empty. Here, have another one. I'm like, am I allowed to have more than one of these things? Like I've never actually, that was my first one surprisingly. But um, yeah, they're they're an interesting tool, but they're obviously not for that level of pain um, or at least they didn't seem to be for that level of pain.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's, I guess there's a threshold for that. But, uh yeah I guess. and like i said like when i asked him if you know dean he said no so there'd have to be a bit of a, a half safe shrug there i guess
0: yeah exactly they've, they've got to have some sort of level to um make sure that you can't go too nuts on it and be crazy otherwise you know people will be trying to get these things um you know under the counter sort of thing. so it might be a bit <laughs> of a, a different issue there but um so they got you back to the truck i gather pretty quick as well because it was really close to the track it was a good position there in, in marvel stadium for the race safe guys but um They've got a nice setup in there. Did they, what they get you hooked up onto straight away?
1: Um, so I talked to my physio, John, he's, he was there at the, uh, at the track. So this is all blur for me, but talking to him, he yeah, said, we're talking about, um, he was, <laughs> he was actually having a bit of a laugh at me. He was ready to get the, uh, the, the camera out. Cause he's a, a good <laughs> mate, a good mate of mine as well. Yeah. He, he was talking about how he's on the edge of, uh, his professionalism and then being a mate as well, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. He was, yeah, Ready to get the camera out, he thought something was quite quite funny, so I'm glad someone got a bit of a laugh out of it. Yeah, um, yeah, you're saying that I was just talking about because obviously they ask you if you're allergic to, uh, to any drugs or anything. And mm-hmm. um, I got a bit of a reaction to morphine, um, so and then they were like, Yeah, well, don't worry about that, we're giving you your ketamine. And uh, yeah, I think I was, I, uh, I might have asked to be put in a, K-hole. Um, in a K hole, okay, okay, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that was a definitely, definitely. I don't remember that, but apparently it was pretty funny. Um, have you had I mean, ketamine before? No, I have not.
0: You haven't. So have, have you heard the stories about it, but like in terms of what people supposedly see when they're on ketamine?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's. I'm guessing that's. a It was a, a, in the back of my mind. Is, yeah, is what I talked about being in caves, and I just wanted to be uh, out of that pain. I guess. Yeah. Well for yeah, those
0: mate. those that are listening and don't have never been on ketamine and haven't heard the stories, there's there's lots of people that like obviously ketamine is used for a pretty high tolerance like as a pain drug, like to get that pain down quickly and easily and um, but it, it has a pretty good effect on this on the psyche and and lots of people say they see little green men running around. I personally <laughs> had it and I thought I was every time I'd close my eyes, I thought I was in the matrix with just the green code running down the screen. so it was it's an
1: interesting drug, that's for
0: sure, but it's effective.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) That's funny.
0: It's it's just it just it's just what it does. For some reason, the green it must be part of the chemical makeup. But yeah, everything goes green on you. So yeah, it's it's not um, not something you want to get too often. But uh, it's effective for pain relief.
1: Yeah, yeah, wow. Because I guess that's what they're kind of the way they go now is straight to to care. I've had a few mates that have um, been hurt. I guess in the last year and a half they've had some injuries and it's almost like it's the go-to
0: yeah, uh, they've, they've definitely moved away from like the the usual morphine like that's yeah. yes ketamine seems to be the more common thing so maybe it's a maybe it's cheaper to process maybe it's less um, less people have reactions to it I'm not sure on that one but it's definitely a popular thing that's being used lately for for injuries you know especially once you get to the emergency departments
1: yeah because I know a fair few people that kind of get a reaction to morphine makes them sick yeah uh, I mean, Back in like 2013, I broke both my wrists as a junior. And uh, I remember them putting morphine in, and I just got like a hot flush over my body and then just started projectile vomiting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Lovely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably like one, obviously, you being that's an allergic reaction. But yeah, I just think there's probably a lot more people like that. And and this obviously isn't doing that for them. So, but you do, you just get to see green men,
1: you know, running around. So. Oh, I wish I could remember that experience. I definitely uh, don't have any re- recollection of that.
0: It might be more. I was on it for a good couple of days in the emergency department at, oh, in the trauma trauma center there at the Alfred. So it might be because of just a purely a time build up for me. But um, I know lots of people have had it. And, and after a while, yeah, same sort of thing. They've, they've seen weird shit. So um, you just must have missed out on that one at that point. Maybe you were just sleeping it off. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah I'd say so.
0: So what... Um, What's obviously you've had, you've, it's been a couple of days now since the race. Um, what's the, the plan for you? Did, did anything happen as such other than did the hip, like the hip dislocated, but what did anything else break, tear at that point or, or did you get away pretty easily?
1: Um, so actually, um, I actually had a practice crash on Tuesday um, leading up to the event. Um, just cased to three in and had a bit of a nasty over the bars where I kind of went to the fifth jump and landed on my back. Ouch. And uh, woke up. Yeah, I woke up pretty sore. Um, just was seeing physio, heat packs, hot hot baths, and stuff, kind of getting ready for the weekend. Just trying to keep myself not too stiff. Um, obviously, not riding.
0: So was this John at that point looking after you then too?
1: Ah, uh, no. So I was actually over in Queensland training with. Oh, okay. The, yeah, with, the, with Aaron, uh, Nathan, and KJ over on their program with um, uh, Nathan Crawford, Big Nathan, yep. and then fighting uh, fit physio um okay over Them guys will look out for me there um so yeah usual usual program is over with uh with john and ross in melbourne um that was my program this year and in, in motocross but uh there's really not much much supercross going on here at the moment and um yeah them boys are some of my best mates so it was good to kind of get away and and have some fun and go do some training with them in uh queensland so yeah i was based over in queensland before before the event
0: Okay, nice. Yeah. So yeah, so they had to sort you out for so what did you do then?
1: Yeah, so I ended up I didn't know at the time, didn't get scans, but I ended up fracturing three vertebrae in my back on the Tuesday crash. Um, just some, some transverse processes, so no okay.
0: Yeah, no still not still important, but yeah, not not severe, so yeah.
1: Yeah, and then uh, and a rib as well, which has been giving me the most grief. I actually last night I, I woke up um <laughs> like pretty tired and put my hands behind my head for a stretch oh no yep just yeah just leant back and stretch and just went big clunk <laughs> oh stab straight be- in the heart sort of thing yeah <laughs> and just by myself like it's fully asleep partners asleep next to me so just just suffering in silence at like 2 a.m it's horrible
0: yeah the ribs the ribs can be so painful because they attach everything sort of attaches to them in a way and and every movement you do even as simple as taking a breath they move and you can't stabilize them so they just hurt all the time and they hurt all the way up until the fact that they they're actually rejoined you know like that they've united back together so it's a good four to six weeks before you stop getting pain and um don't even get me started on if you cough or sneeze. Like that's just, ins- oh. yeah, it's not pleasant
1: at all. Yeah. And what's the, and all of a sudden you need to sneeze all the time now that you've got a, a rib that's displaced.
0: <laughs> it's like your body's saying, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: Exactly.
0: Oh yeah. It, it never fails. And you try to hold it in and you just can't. And it's, you, you end up doing this weird ass noise and you still end up whimpering at the end of it anyway. So yeah.
1: I always think it's worse when you do, they try to hold it in. So you're all tensed up and then it finally goes and it, Oh <laughs> yeah
0: you've got that for a few more weeks mate unfortunately yeah so but that's probably at this stage that's probably worse than the hip i gather
1: yeah well the i guess um yeah i didn't even mention but the the hip was they got it all back in um without problems and no, no surgery needed. And they said it was pretty lucky to uh, dislocate a hip and not not fracture or, or damage anything on the way out um so yeah they the, they actually yeah so it was out for probably three or two or three hours uh, oh, it's back. a decent
0: amount of time still
1: yeah cuz they they took scans and stuff first and the hospital was pretty busy so I scanned it and then and then um and then put it back in they put me to sleep through all this so I actually woke up just in a hospital bed like after just getting the checkup scans um, which was half nice well
0: it's pleasant for you at least you didn't have to be awake while they're trying to yank on it or anything silly like that cuz that can be just as painful trying to put it back in especially for the hip like it's the it's the biggest one to dislocate so yeah
1: yeah, I could imagine that being horrible. But, yeah, like you said, like, um, it's been not too bad, uh, the pain. It's just been uh, just achy. I'm not sure if I guess a lot of people have dislocated shoulders and stuff, done that before. It's kind of like the – a little bit like the feeling of that, just just a bit more um, intensified and um, just feels a little bit unstable and uncomfortable to move around um, the hip and the back and then the ribs. Yeah, like, yeah, the rib is probably the worst pain at the moment, everything else. Kind of just resting up and and just a little bit achy.
0: Well, no doubt you would have um, aggravated the rib and the back in that second crash at the, in the stadium when you did the hip. So it's probably all had another tweak at that point too. So that would have been a, a nice little addition just to remind you that they're still that they're still there and fresh. So.
1: Yeah, add it to the list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. You've probably got a few other things to deal with as well from previous issues from bike crashes, I'm sure, that probably still are, you know, just hanging around in the background. But yeah, you don't need anything anything extra. The list gets pretty long as a motor rider, so yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what's the plan then? Like this has probably knocked you out for this supercross season, um, given that the hips only just gone back in, you've probably got at least six or eight weeks of not much activity and f- still followed by then trying to get strength back in and, and able to, you know, walk, run, jump, all that sort of stuff. Um, is there anything, have they given you any timeframes for when you'd be able to do anything significant?
1: Uh, no, like yeah, this, you know, two weeks on crutches and, um, non, or just you not know, yeah, non-weight bearing, just balancing and then, um, checking up from there, but I'll really get to some more advice on Monday. I'll go see John. Yep. Um, and probably get a bit more of a clearer direction on, on what's next for me but yeah it's that's that'll be my supercross season done yeah. um with the fractures in my back as well um yeah so as as kind of hard of a pill as that is to swallow just uh yeah you put all that work in and put your heart and soul into it and and uh you know it's something i love so much is getting out there and racing supercross so to kind of only get the 10 minutes of track after a good five or seven to eight weeks of training it uh yeah yeah it's a it's a tough one
0: yeah not not fun unfortunately moto can get you pretty quick and supercross even quicker so yeah you know it might not be even a lap sometimes it can be over before it begins so yeah that that part sucks for you really like like you said to put in the effort i'm sure you'll probably train him for a good few months before this just to just to be in shape to, to to do it and then yeah like you said 10 minutes not even and it's all done
1: yeah and for myself and, and also the people behind me as well um i guess it's pretty disappointing they're all they're all very very supportive but you know um it's, it takes more than just one person to kind of as you can imagine to get out there on a supercross track like the the whole wbr team like there's you know Trav, Nate, his whole family is involved um jack my mechanic like all the sponsors that they put toward they put together um like it's it's such a massive program and a, and to get everything together it's you know it's it's a lot of effort even even just this the uh the supercross event how much how much goes into that and getting all the people there i guess not being able to yet yeah, not being able to go out and compete and at least at least get my name out there for myself and for the people behind me and uh yeah, it's, it's it's very tough
0: yeah that part definitely sucks so so what's on the cards then have you got plans for next year at this stage like I like obviously got to recover first but is there anything in in the works or or what have you got on that side of things for 23
1: yeah um yeah like we, we touched a little bit on this um, but yeah it's pretty tough tough time for me right now yeah I, I feel like it was a bit make or break this year um with getting some support for next year mm-hmm. and Privateer not being much of an option um just you know exhausting everything over the last couple of years so um yeah i'm not i'm not sure what's in the works for me at at, uh, at this point in time um yeah probably probably a little bit down the dumps right now um
0: <laughs> the injury funk yep
1: yeah and it's probably a bit more of a mindset now than, than i'm hoping in the next few weeks but it's not looking fantastic might have to uh <laughs> get a real job and, and earn some money but um but, yeah, yeah, I'm really not sure what's in, what's in store for me for next year.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And, look, it, like we said, the injury funk, sometimes those first week to two afterwards can be a bit bit difficult to deal with, especially when you're, you know, fighting fit, you know, only a few days earlier. Um, you know, it takes a little while for you to get over that. And then as you get better, like as you progress with your recovery, you'll start to feel that itch coming back. But maybe it's too soon to ask that question. <laughs> we, we'll shelve it for a couple of weeks, eh?
1: Yeah, come back in a few weeks, let
0: me know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, look, man, it's, um, it's a bummer the way it happened and glad you're semi-okay. Obviously, a hip dislocation is nothing minor, but at least it wasn't too too major in terms of the other damage that went along with it and it went back in somewhat easily by the sounds of it. So hopefully the recovery can be smooth and you can get back to normal here, you know, hopefully by Christmas or so and, um, you know, work things out from there.
1: Yeah, no, no, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. No,
0: all good, man. Um, have you got anyone you wanted to thank before we, you know, cut you off here and you know give you the chance to get on the soapbox and thanks all, thank all the sponsors that have been behind you this this year.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Just a huge thanks to um, uh, my dad and my family, my, my partner Chloe. Um, uh, just yeah, and their support over the last the last two years has been has been immense, and um, they've definitely kept me going. So a huge thanks to those guys. Uh, WBR Racing team um the whole whitten family uh, jack my mechanic this year yeah all the effort they put in to get me out there um, big thank you to those guys um even even honda uh, that was for my privateer gig this year um i didn't get to to get out there and represent those guys either they, they had a pretty good privateer program set up for me um well it's all, all, all th- set up through myself you know um, had pirelli on board pirelli cassins uh bell G's, um fly all of those guys from motocross that that, that jumped behind me and really helped out. Just a massive thank you. Thank you and a sorry um, (laughs) for sure. So, no, wouldn't be able to do it with any of those guys. Yeah, thanks for giving us the opportunity to give those guys thanks.
0: No, awesome, man. Um, It's what makes the world go around. So, no, look, happy to give you that chance. And, look, appreciate the time on the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for joining
1: us, Connor. Awesome, mate. Cheers. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you. Thanks for sticking around, guys and girls. That was a great show this week for the Always Moto podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to send us your T-shirt orders for your Always Moto T-shirt to alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Don't forget to look in the... um, Subscription for or oh, subscription the um ah, the show notes that's the word I wanted the show notes check out the show notes for the links for our bio for the slant board so that you can use that uh special code always moto in lowercase um to get save on a slant board to help your squat training. So follow us on social media for all our updates and all things injury and moto. Search always moto, then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast feed, people. It's super important. Subscribe, rate us if your app allows, but make sure you subscribe so you get to see the next episode automatically in your feed. All right, and don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. But that's it for another show. Be smooth, be fast, because if you're not, you'll probably be seeing me deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks. See you later, guys and girls.